Welcome to With You Every Step, the solo travel podcast that explores, explains and hopefully inspires you to travel the world by yourself. I'm your host, Michelle Lee. Welcome to With You Every Step. This week, I have... Leanne Melody on. Some of you might already know who that is, you might not, or you might know her as the Bus About Girl. She's more than just that, she is amazing, and you're going to learn all about her. But she was brought to our attention from the company Bus About after she won a competition, which Leanne explains all about that. She will tell us about her journeys and her travels, and I hope you enjoy listening to her as much as I enjoyed talking to her. If you enjoy With You Every Step, please subscribe. It is free. You don't have to pay for anything. Hit the subscribe button. Also, reviews. We love hearing from you. Email address in the description. If you have any questions or anything you would like to know or any topic suggestions, please send them through. I love hearing from you all. I hope you're enjoying With You Every Step. If you are, share the love. Love it when you share the love. Everybody loves love. Now to today's guest. Hi, Leanne. Thank you so much for being on With You Every Step today. Hey, how's it going? Good. I'm glad that I finally got to lock you in so we can do this interview. I'm sure there's so many people out there that already know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they are. They've probably followed you like I did on the bus about stories, but we're going to get into that a little bit more later. So we just want to now find out about you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Can I just say that I love podcasts. I listen to them religiously. So to be on one, this is my first ever podcast. I was like, how do I even warm up for something like this? I was like at the back doing la, 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 la. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yep. Now, can you give us a little bit about your background? How old are you currently? I am 24. 24. I think you're the youngest stepper that we've had on so far. (laughs) Yeah. When was your first trip? My first trip overseas would have had to be when I was, I was a toddler and I went to the Philippines with my family. Okay. Do you have heritage from there? Yeah, yeah, sorry. All of my family are Filipino. I'm full Filipino by blood, but I was born and raised in Australia. So, yeah, that was nice to kind of get introduced to that part of my world at such a young age. And then ever since, I've been going back every two years. Or oh, I years. love the Philippines. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's so beautiful. Whereabouts in the Philippines are your family from? Please tell me one of the islands. It's so exotic. Oh, oh yeah. No, they're not from the islands. They're kind of, they're in the provinces. So I, I've actually never done the Philippines as a tourist. Yeah. It happens when you're from a place. I was the same in Croatia and then I finally did that. Yes. So my dad is from Talak and my mom is from Bulacan. But they all, I have so much family in the Philippines. We're kind of all around. Beautiful. My sister-in-law is from there. And so my brother had a wedding over there. So that's the reason I ended up going. And it just happened to be around just after New Year's Eve. So I went earlier and went oh to Boracay for New Year's Eve. Hey, oh, it was yeah, amazing. That's amazing. And it's so good to go with, with locals. It's such a different experience. All right. So you went to the Philippines with your family. So when was your first solo trip by yourself? My first solo trip was actually with Bus About. Okay, so that was the competition that you won? 
Yes, I got into all of this social media stuff was that I won a global competition called the best job in the world with Bus About to be their brand ambassador. And it was a five month all expenses paid trip. Amazing. To Instagram, blog, vlog and Snapchat my way all around Europe. And yeah, that was my first time doing it solo because Every time before that, it was always just with friends and my partners. Okay, so how did you actually apply for that? Did you have to do a video? Yeah, it was a video audition. And I think about 6,000 people applied worldwide. Yeah, I, I know. I actually looked at it and went, oh, I should do this. this but I think, yeah, I'm <laughs> a, a bit old. I don't think they'd want my face advertising uh -huh. for them. But... No. <laughs> Yeah, it was just one of those crazy dream jobs happened at the right place at the right time in my life where I was just kind of lost and knowing I really knew that I wanted to pursue something in video. Actually, I wrote it down in a book somewhere. I was feeling super lost and I was I wrote down, I want to travel, content, involve creativity and activism. And I just wrote all of these things and I said, I said these words exactly. I don't know what my job will be. And I know it doesn't exist yet, but it's going to come for me. Something like that. Some law of attraction type of stuff. And literally, wow. I got, it's insane. I got, my boyfriend sent me the link to that literally two weeks later. And I was like, this is, this is crazy. This is everything I wanted. And it kind of <laughs> manifested itself. It's, it was insane. That's great. Okay. So that's how it happened. And so yeah. you applied, <laughs> they got in contact. Did you have to have more auditions after that? Yeah, but it was more so interviews and I think they did a short list and talked to all of us. Okay. And so then where did you have to fly into for that? I flew into London and then I met with headquarters and all of the team and we actually had myself and Jake, who was the videographer who won the trip as well. We connected in London and from there we had a bit of a trial run and yeah, tried to suss out the job because this was the first time anything like that had happened. So we were really trying to get a feel for all the different roles that we were doing. Ah, so you had someone doing your filming for you. Yeah, so within the five months, I did have a videographer with me and he was filming all of the cinematics for the YouTube videos. Uh, but in terms of the vlogs, I was recording it all myself. All right. And all the content was what you wanted to put on there. You didn't have anyone telling you what you had to do? No, I'm pretty grateful for that. It was really it was really organic content and I, I guess I had a few things looked over by, by people like my blogs and stuff. But yeah, everything was my own, my own voice, which, was, which, which I appreciated. And as I've said previously in other episodes, I'm not a big fan of influencers because I find a lot of it is quite fake and I don't believe a lot of the stuff because I, I constantly look and think how do you look so beautiful you've been oh. traveling all day and how do you look so beautiful but then I look at you and I think okay to me you look natural but you still look beautiful but I, I believe the content that you're delivering I don't feel like you're being paid to do something even though that job was a basically paid position in a, in a way to, to yeah. do the content for them. It felt very organic. Oh, thank you. And, you know, that's something I'm very intentional about with creating content. I think it's really easy for people to portray a certain image. And I understand why it's not so well received because there is that facet of social media that can come off as really fake. And I think 
really for this to work in this day and age, you have to develop some form of trust with your audience. And if that's that's not there, it everything just seems so staged. Yeah, that's something I'm very intentional about, just sharing my my most authentic self. Yeah, and I think that's important. And that was a big thing for me with creating this podcast as well, was that I wanted to be honest with people. And I've had actually people saying to me, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've heard you cry. And I can't believe that you, know, <laughs> you actually talk about stuff. Yeah. That I was like, well, that was the whole point is that if I'm going to do it, I'm going to be me. I'm not going to sugarcoat things. I'm not going to tell people that things are always amazing because they're not. And there are some things that sh- you struggle with while you're traveling. And that's just a matter of, of life. And I think if we only talk about the good, then that's not real life at yeah. all. And you know what? I think that is the issue as well with social media in general, the fact that everything is a highlights reel. Yes. You know, there's a crazy statistic coming out that younger, like millennials as a generation are dealing with so much mental health issues just because of FOMO and oh, constantly filling your feed with, with perfect images of people that seem so unreachable. And I think where I want to really go down the path of is sharing my story and my voice in an authentic and real way so that people don't feel that disconnect. I make it a point not to seem perfect because I'm not. And I find that people with millions of followers who have the best, most banging body and booty shots. Mm, which <laughs> that's what I don't like. like. I don't need to see someone's booty. Like even if you've got a good body, great. Unless you're a model, I don't know. It's not my it's thing. It's true. But you know what? I love a good selfie and something, I mean, I think we can get into this as well, like just taking care of your body and appreciating your body is something that I don't, I don't see anything wrong with. But yes, it does come off a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, but the the way I look at it is that there's a lot of people out there that don't look like that. And all that they're seeing is, I don't look like that. Yeah. And I think that's the problem that I find with it is it's the relationship that people, like you said, these millennials that are struggling because they don't look like that. But also there was an image about a, a, a celebrity in the last week that posted on Insta. I'm not going to mention who it was, but they had two thumbs in the photo. Did you hear about this? No. Because it's so photoshopped that it's not natural. It's not real. and yeah. But that's what people are seeing because – Personally, going back to the start, this is not what I felt. I don't feel like that with you at all. I see your images. I think they're natural. I think they're beautiful and I think they're great, which is why you're on my show today. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, like it it is hard and it's hard that that's becoming the norm as well. And, And I think that's another reason why, I mean, I love Instagram and that's like my ride or die social media app. Yeah, me too. I, I find it as an influencer, it is hard to connect just through photos. Like I, I make a point to make an aesthetic feed. I think there's nothing wrong with, you know, posting photos that you enjoy and that make you feel good about yourself. But I just, yeah, I find it hard to connect. Like, yes, I'm in beautiful places, but I don't think that really shows the whole experience like video does. Yes. Or I think that's why I think I'm much more active in my stories and that's kind of where I want to take my content through video just because I can express more of my personality and, and my voice and my story through a video rather than just a pretty curated photo. Correct. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And your stories are 
fabulous. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of my listeners out there that do follow you that would like to know what app do you use? Do you use a special app to make your stories look so good? Yeah, or are you just I, that talented? I use a bunch. I love, 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 love InShot. I do a lot of my edits on that. It's just this one place where I can make cuts and put all the fun effects, but I've been... Do you have to pay for that app or is that a free app? It's a free app, but I think you can pay to upgrade. But I also use Adobe Premiere, Adobe Rush. You can now get these on the phone as well. Okay, well, that's a good tip for others out there that are wanting to make their videos look a bit 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 better. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like myself. Mm -hmm. Keep an eye on my videos. They might improve. Well, yeah, I, I never really paid attention to stories. When they first came out, it was just a ripoff of Snapchat. But now, nowadays, you're getting so much more engagement on stories. And the reason why I put so much effort into editing them is because I find that statistically, we just have really low attention spans. So you kind of have to really engage your listeners Quickly. first off. Yeah, 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 totally. And I've noticed something that I've been doing, which kind of annoys me because now it's a habit and I've missed some things, is that I tend to click past stuff and mm-hmm. it's really annoying that I do that now, but it's just a habit. And then I have and to it's, try yeah. and go back because I was like, hold on, I want to see yeah, these things. That, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and actually, in, if you look at your analytics, you can see how many tap throughs you get. And it's crazy. I could put up a quality story, have the best time, put all these awesome edits in, but 90% of the stuff will just, people will just tap through. So they don't really listen. And yeah, it, our attention spans are definitely decreasing in this day mm. and age. Your stories, I do not click through your videos. But when it comes to photos, then I think that's what the habit has come from is because sometimes the photos are there for a long time. And so then you do tend to click over them. All right, I've seen the photo, click, and then it becomes the habit and then you start missing things. Yeah. Yeah, it can be annoying. Anyway, let's get back to your travels. Okay. You started in London and then whereabouts did you go? So you were obviously on the bus about network, right? Yeah. We went all around. To be honest, I can't remember the whole itinerary on the top of my head. We did about 26 countries around the Europe network and a little bit of North Africa too with Morocco and did a bit of Turkey. It was was insane. It was such a good trip. (laughs) So five months, 26 countries. Yeah, something like that. That's intense. Did you have downtime at all? <laughs> I actually learned a lot from that job in itself with how to manage social media. I didn't. We didn't have much downtime though. Jake, his job was to film the cinematics and put all the video clips together for the YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. But me, on the other hand, I had to blog. I had to vlog on YouTube, create some B-roll stuff. I had to do the Insta stories and I had to make the captions as well as post on the Instagram constantly. And this was day in, day out. I had so many mental breakdowns. It was insane. Yeah, it sounds a lot because I was thinking that as you're traveling, you're doing all of these posting as well, which I never have time when I'm traveling really to post. It's only when I get to a hostel, there's good Wi-Fi. And then I was like, okay, now I've got like an hour in between going to do the next thing. I'm doing yeah. some posts now. But that all on the buses. Now a lot of buses have Wi-Fi, which is really handy. But I was seeing how much you guys were doing and it was a lot. <laughs> it was. And you know what? As much as it was a dream job, I honestly truly don't think that 
just anybody could have done it because you really, you really got to love it. It could run you to the ground, but you know, my relationship with Busta, we, we've grown since then. And I've just done the Vietnam and Thailand trip and I was just doing stories, which allowed me to work on quality of my content rather than just pumping out so many different things. But you know, I learned a lot from that first trip and I learned my limitations. And a big thing that I learned about that was how to really experience travel, but share it at the same time. Yeah. Okay. I do feel that the last trip that you just did, the Asia one, I feel your content was phenomenal. And I do feel there was a big difference between the other content. And it makes sense talking to you now to see the difference and the pressure you are under to what you can produce. And so that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. But in saying that, I am so grateful for that first opportunity because it allowed me to just take everything in. And because I was thrown into deep water, I had to learn to manage everything alone. And now I'm a gun. I know how to, I know how to manage my time. I know how to take a, a good photo in a quick amount of time and be able to do this and retain all this information that this tour guide is saying. Like, let me, okay, let me walk through a typical day of me managing social media on a bunch of different platforms while I was on tour. Okay, so picture yourself on a walking tour, say in Rome. Okay, I'm walking through Rome. I'm seeing the Colosseum right now. Okay, Colosseum, perfect. I'm on a walking tour to the Colosseum. First off, we get to the Colosseum. I whip out my phone. Hey guys, it's Leanne on Insta Stories. This is me and this is the Colosseum behind me. Okay, do that. I take out my big, chunky, fat DSLR and I take a photo of the Colosseum for the Instagram. And then I pause that. I put my camera down. I whip out my vlogging camera and I'm like, hey guys, I'm going to butcher this, but something 100 BC, the Colosseum was erected and it was used by the soldiers, this and that, da, 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 da. Okay, quick, that's over. I put down my camera, I take out my notes, and then I retain all this information that the guide is saying about the Colosseum so that I could put it on my Insta story captions, also that I could, so that I could put it on my Instagram caption for posting later. And then, I mean, at one point we took off the Snapchat on the earlier stages, I, I would take out Snapchat and I'd be like, hey guys, this is Jake taking a photo of me at the Colosseum. And then that'd be over. And then I would walk to the next monument. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So how much do you feel that you actually got to enjoy the location? Yeah. Yeah. That was something I really struggled with at the start that I started to learn how to manage. Thankfully, it was good that that trip was in Europe because I had done personal trips to Europe probably three to four times before that. So I was quite familiar with all the areas that I had done, which made it a lot easier to manage content. But fast forward to now in 2019, I'm so much more aware and intentional about the content I make. It's more about like deciphering, okay, this will be a good photo. I'll quickly take that. This will be a good moment. I'll record that. But what I do now is I snap the content. I try to retain whatever information I can. And I wait to post at the very end of the day. That's why I put, if you, if you notice some of my stories, just even on my personal Instagram, it's all kind of collated. It's like a mashup of all these different moments. So yeah, yeah. I, I now kind of take that and I just use some time to reflect at the end of the day because my priority is just experiencing it fully. You can't travel like that. It's not, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Absolutely. Which is why I was so interested in talking to you because that's how I feel when I travel. 
and yep. everyone's like, oh, there's some more, so much more you could be putting on. I'm like, but then I can't take it in. And sometimes yeah. I don't want to take a photo. Sometimes I just want to sit there and be in the moment. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's something that I've definitely dealt with with the first degree, but now I'm so mindful of it. And especially because I want to continue influencing as my job, of course, that's going to be there, but it's so important to take some time out and disconnect. And I personally, like if you meet me, I don't think that I am one of those influencers that live off their phone. Because sometimes you meet people and they have this different persona online, but when you see them in real life, their life and their personality is only reflected in their phone. But when you're, you're with them, they're, they're constantly like at the dinner table or during chat, checking their Instagram. I know that I have a healthy balance with disconnecting from that. But when I do set aside time, I'll put everything together and I'll, I'll really work at generating my content. Now, I'm going to ask you a question because I do have listeners from all ranges of ages. Can you explain in detail the meaning of an influencer? <laughs> an influencer in this day and age, if we're talking about social media, it's somebody with a certain following using their voice to connect with their audience and influence their audience. So an influencer is someone that has a certain amount of followers. Around what amount of followers makes someone an influencer, do you know? Look, I don't think that there is a set number because, you know, the quality of your influence is something too. As long as you have, let's say with Instagram, I know influencers, now they're called micro-influencers, who have started at 1,000 to 2,000 followers. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that you need a large audience, but as long as you have an audience that listens and there are ways to gather the analytics. Again, as I was saying before, there's no precedence for this. I think what we're just learning and there's no guidebook on what makes you an influencer. I think if you have a decent following and you can tell that people are really listening to you, I mean, that's when you know you're an influencer. It doesn't have to mean you get paid for sponsorships, even if you were to recommend something like a book and people say, oh my God, I read that this book because of you. That kind of makes you an influencer already. Okay. And when people say they're making a living from being an influencer, what does that mean? Usually people can make an income using their social media platforms, mainly by sponsorships. So it is a kind of new and modern and creative take on marketing because brands are now using people with social media followings to recommend their products. And I think the issue here, which is why some social media influencers get a bad rap, is that when they quote unquote sell out and start promoting products that are inauthentic to their brands, or you can just tell that it's not really a genuine recommendation. But the good things about utilizing influencers is that these influencers have a relationship, a close relationship with their audience, and therefore there's that trust factor. So whatever they recommend, you're more likely to make purchasing decisions or be influenced in anything really if you're hearing it from someone that you know, like and trust. That's a, a good summary of it, I would say. You have done other travel apart from just the bus about trips, which was five months. Did you end up staying on or did you come home after those five months? Uh, yeah, I did Scotland and I did the Faroe Islands, which was a really, really interesting place. And I think that's... I've never that. heard of it. Yeah, it's it's a part of Denmark. It's own island in between the UK and Iceland. 
And it is phenomenal. It feels like Scandinavia, but not. It's just this green island. Everything is green. There are more, I spotted more sheep than tourists and truly, truly off the beaten track. I think that'd be on my list of uh, the most underrated places, Faroe Islands. You should really check it out. It's, it's gorgeous. Okay. So what kind of things did you do when you were there? We did a little bit of hiking. It's very outdoorsy. We stayed, I think, just because of the whole, the hecticness of the trip. I just wanted to kind of get away into a little cottage with my boyfriend and just be completely away from reality and technology. So, yeah, we stayed in a cottage and we just did road trips. So, you, so hold on. Okay. Hold on, hold on. I need to back up a little bit. So you have a boyfriend, right? Yes. <laughs> and was you were together before you went on your five-month trip by yourself? Yeah, yeah. We're coming on to six, six years now. Six years. Okay. And so he was totally okay with you going off on this trip for five months by yourself? Well, it's funny because he was the one that linked me to the trip. And then once I got yeah. the job, <laughs> he was kicking himself. He was like, well, why did I get you on this? Long distance is, is not something I'd recommend if he had the chance to. But, yeah, we, we were fine. came out strong. <laughs> And then he flew over and met you at the end of Yes, it. he flew over twice, actually. He joined me in Croatia and the Balkans. So he did a small portion of the trip with me. He came at the end. So to come from Australia to go only to go to Europe for a week twice is, is a big commitment. So I was super thankful. Yeah, that's a huge commitment. And that's true love there. Yeah, yeah. I think if I were to give any advice to people, it's just to stay connected and make effort to keep up to date. Because I think when you're traveling, it's so easy to just be immersed in your own world. But remember, that a relationship is something you really have to, to work on every day. So, so you had to then pull out your phone to do an Insta story, Snapchat, yeah. DSLR for a photo, other camera for a video, and then talk to your boyfriend at yeah, the same time. I was, I was living off my phone. I don't know. We have a lot of trust in our relationship and I think that's... I think that's the only way that kind of relationship would work is if you have trust. And I don't think a yeah. partner that wasn't supportive would not send you that job to apply for in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Actually, he's a travel agent. Prior to that trip, he had been traveling all the time, like every month, and I'd be like, I want to get paid to travel. That <laughs> <laughs> was me, so sucked in, Jed. <laughs> <laughs> so now you do. So when you started, did you have some massive fears? A, a lot of women, when they're going out for their first trip, especially by themselves, I feel like the fears come from other people. How did you feel? Yeah, definitely. I think growing up and traveling as a young adult, there was so many, I think, little insecurities I had, a lot of fears about things going wrong, being in a new place all alone. I had a lot of fears about making friends alone. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big one that a lot of people think is that no one's going to talk to me. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think personally, a lot of all of those little fears stemmed from a lack of confidence in myself and a lack of independence, which is something that has grown with time. And travel. And, and travel, yeah, for sure. I think it has a huge impact on someone's confidence and on social skills. I think it's oh, massive. Yes. Like my biggest takeaway I've ever had from travel is just learning, learning about myself, what I'm capable of trusting myself. I think that when you're traveling, you're really put in a position where you're completely void of routine. You're really out of your comfort zone. And what travel has taught me is 
learning how to be comfortable with being alone in my own space and enjoying my own company. And making your own decisions. Yeah, making your own decisions. It all ties in with being independent and gaining confidence in yourself and trust. That's that's really important. But yeah, of course, I, I get a lot of questions about like when I'm traveling solo, how to combat loneliness and how to and any tips for when you get homesick. I think a lot of people are scared of, of getting homesick and feeling just really isolated. Now, personally, I don't get homesick often, but that is because I'm not really attached to anything or anyone back home. I mean, apart from my boyfriend, but that's... Apart from the that's all. Yeah, I mean, to all my friends, any friends listening, I just want to say thank you. I love you. And you are in my life currently because you are a low maintenance friend. (laughs) I think that's essential to have low maintenance friends. But also, I only feel lonely when I'm bored and and stagnant at where I'm at when I'm traveling. Personally, I like to keep moving, keep things interesting and really immerse myself where I'm at. And, you know, the stronger the relationships that I make in a said country, I, the less likely I feel that I need to reach out to people at home. And I'm thankful for this internet age where we can keep connected so easily. In fact, when I'm abroad, I have more regular check-ins with friends than when I'm at home. <laughs> I don't see Absolutely. Anything. And that's what I was going to say. I don't really get homesick anymore, but when I traveled, I mean, I'm a lot older than you are. And when I traveled before technology, it was really quite hard because the only way you could make a phone call was through a landline and it was quite hard to call home. And at airports, my mum would want to know that I've checked in somewhere and been okay. And I would have to try and figure out how to call out of the, the phone. It was, it was quite, it was quite a, a task to make a phone call back in those days. So things now make it so much easier where I can just FaceTime with my mum at any time and you can see them, you can check in. It makes it so much easier. I can send her a message at all airports pretty much have Wi-Fi. Yeah, exactly. So, it's so easy to check in. I know that their worries are not as bad because they know that they're hearing from me constantly. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And they know where before yeah. it's very different. It's funny as well. Like when people ask how I am when I'm overseas, all of the times they're completely up to date because when I keep my Instagram, especially my stories or my highlights, just the constant really rolling. So they have almost a live take of what I'm doing, but top tip, WhatsApp voice messages, game changer. They are a great fix. When you have long commutes or go for hours on the train, you can just update everyone via voice messages and you can respond to them at your own time. It's not like being in a phone call that you got to have to like set out this one time when it's hard to handle time zones. You just send a cheeky voice message and it's, it's all good. <laughs> How do you find strong enough Wi-Fi to do the videos that you post? They seem like they come through with really good connection. I don't know if it's just the countries that I tend to go to, but I find that I struggle sometimes to even send a video or post a video because the Wi-Fi is not strong enough. Yeah, a lot of hostels have some pretty dodgy Wi-Fi. I actually get a SIM and I make sure to get a high high data SIM and I'll pay a little bit extra for it, but... Oh, it just ensures that. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I never do that because I feel like the Wi Fi 
is always enough. It's always it's not enough. there, right? Yeah, but it's not enough for those things. So that makes sense. If you're doing social media, it's absolutely necessary. But if you're just traveling for the sake of traveling, like you don't need it. <laughs> Everywhere has Wi-Fi that you can connect to. So my next question with that, though, is because a lot of people ask about the phone situation and <laughs> I just say to them, turn your data off and take your phone and use Wi-Fi because it's everywhere. But if people are wanting to do that, how are you getting a data pack when you're traveling through so many different countries? How does that work? Yep. So with Europe, I know that the in the Schengen zone, I'm pretty sure they have just a one all-rounder. I'm pretty sure I used Vodafone uh, the other year when I did my long trip and that covered pretty much maybe like 15 to 20 countries. So that's really good for Europe. And then in in your provider from your hometown or you bought it while you were traveling? Yeah, I bought it in London. Yeah. And it had like most of Europe in there. And then obviously random places in the Balkans, say Morocco, I just bought independent sins. Do you know how much you pay for them? Yeah, they can be pretty pricey because I was away for so long. I'm pretty sure I did a plan. Oh, I couldn't tell you at the top of my head, but my last trip in Thailand, that was maybe, oh, it was really cheap. It was like 20 bucks for a month and I got crazy data. I had, I think, 20 gigs. In Asia, it's much cheaper, but you really got to like into it. I'm, there's so many resources online as well that just tell you where to go to get the best data connections because of the emerging digital nomad careers that everyone is trying to get online and more connected. Data sims are a great deal. And so do you just put that sim into your phone? Yep. And if you need it for your computer, a lot of digital nomads will just then hotspot it and then work off there all day. Okay. All right. So you can hotspot it through your laptop. Yes. What do you travel with? What kind of luggage do you travel with and what things do you take with you? On my backpacking trip around Europe, I took a Kathmandu 75 litre, very, very large <laughs> 75 litre backpack. But what I loved about it was that it had wheels as well. And it had weight support strap because I don't like backpacking if I don't have to. (laughs) No, me neither. And I find it's quite heavy. But did you find the wheels make it even heavier to put it on your back? Yeah, a little bit. But I, to be honest, I was so lazy. I just, I wheeled it around most of the time. It's good for Europe because of cobbled streets, Mm -hmm. the places that you just it's impossible to, to wheel around a luggage. But because I was always staying at hostels, it was it was fine to use with wheels. Now with Africa, I did a month-long trip a couple of years ago and there was no way I could have gone with like a, a suitcase. Like because we were we were camping and we were doing so much movement, I think it was so much more practical to use that Kathmandu bag. Yeah. I was on a less active trip, 100% I would take my suitcase. I think my last couple of trips I've taken a suitcase and it's... I prefer suitcase. Yeah, you got yeah. four-wheeler ones. Oh, if you could get them double-wheel, amazing. Yeah, they're good. They're so good. It's so much easier and I love it. I love in the airport when it's a really straight run down yes. the walkway <laughs> and I can just push it and then just, just watch it go. <laughs> I, yeah, I hate like just having a big old chunky backpack on my bag and as well like it makes me so much more conscious of shopping because I'm literally having to lug that around and I feel the weight of my <laughs> items. It's just it's not fun. <laughs> Absolutely. So are you a heavy packer or a light packer? I want to say I'm a light packer, but really that's just not in my character. I was going to say, <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> oh, There's a divide. I want to be functional, but I also want to look good, you know? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, like, 
Yeah, I'm really trying to nail the art of packing, like Marie Kondo tidying up style. (laughs) Yeah, and again, I think being an influencer and being on social media all the time, it is hard to be in the same clothes all the time. It is, yeah. And that's also probably why I don't post so much when I'm travelling because (laughs) I am constantly in the same clothes. But I do, I am more on the heavy side of a packer than a light side. My last guest that I had on, my last episode, Jules, she says she takes like three T-shirts, three pairs of shorts and then she's good. And I think, oh, my gosh, I couldn't do it. I respect that, but that's so not me. I just, I can't. I understand, like, people who want to travel just for the sake of just being out there and you you don't need it (laughs) you can just wash your clothes in a sink and as long as it gets you from A to B it's fine but you know I think for me personally I I prioritize looking good feeling good being my best self (laughs) and just wearing clothes that make me feel good so I I'll put a few extra kilos in just for some options I don't think I've had a guest in the past so far that I could talk about this topic with so I'm gonna ask you now what makeup do you travel with? <laughs> Girl, I got you sorted. I have nailed my makeup regime down to a T. Tell me. My kind of makeup would be completely different to yours because I am brown. <laughs> All of my products are tailored to my skin. So it's generally hard to give like a broad, like broad advice when people build their makeup kits. But I would suggest that you make it truly tailored to you and what looks good to you. Now, my makeup kit, I try to keep it minimal. I don't carry around big, bulky eyeshadow palettes, but... Mm, I've, I've, I've been known to do that, yeah. <laughs> but I've, <laughs> that tends to happen because I buy it, especially if I'm traveling through the US. I can't not buy because it's so much yeah. cheaper Actually, over there. Okay. When I went to my last trip to the States, I probably dropped, I left a lot of room for makeup and I dropped like a, a grand mm-hmm. <laughs> just on makeup. Yeah. I hear you. Me too. I do it all the time. Yeah, I can't okay. help it. It's my it's my thing. Yeah. I will take less clothes if I can It'll pack more makeup. makeup. <laughs> I think this is important to know. I'm a makeup artist. So that is my background before all of this travel stuff. Have my makeup down to a T and even hair stuff. I travel with a, a curling iron and... What else do you travel with? I only take a hair straightener with me. I don't even take the hair dryer because most places now have hair dryers in them, I find. Yeah, yeah. I actually don't use a hairdryer. I try to put as little heat on my hair as possible. But for me, I use a curling one just because I like the curl more and my hair is naturally straight. But if I were to give advice to the public, I'd tell them to travel with like a travel straightening iron because they can do both. But my preference is in a curler. Now with my makeup kit. Oh, what do I have? I love to travel with my foundation, of course. What brands do you use? Nas Sheer Glow. Do you? Oh, I'm a Mac girl. Interesting. Yeah, I I, am. I see again. I have to advise people for there's no one brand that fits all. So it depends on yeah your skin, your complexion, your skin tones. Also, I take into account where I'm going. If I'm going on a shorter trip, say to Asia, where it's going to be hot and humid, I'll pack something different to a like a winter climate. So yeah, I use Nasha Glow. I know some people are all about that full coverage life, but I like to have some options. Keep it light but buildable. <laughs> yeah. I use a setting spray, especially in humid conditions. Now with eyeshadows, I have narrowed my eyeshadows down to 
pigments that I use. Now, because I'm, I have a full kit at home, I've decanted a lot of my individual shades. Or you can go to, I use Makeup Geek, where you can buy individual shadows. And I've created my own personalized little, little palette. palette. That's yeah. perfect for traveling. And I'd highly recommend that because you only use three, four shades every day and maybe the occasional statement color. <laughs> yeah, see, I actually mainly, I've got one that's like a little pot, kind of like what your liquid eyeliner might be in. Uh, and yeah. I've got one that's an eyeshadow and that's the one that I travel with. Perfect. And that's my go-to because that's the one I put on basically every day. And it's yep. not... And out there, it's a very natural kind of color. Yes. And so that's the one I use because it's easy to travel with. But then I am yes. known to buy Stick palettes to... while I'm. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's hard, especially like if you're in a place and it's like limited edition or you can't get it home. But really, yes. just I, I'd advise just stick to the things that you know that you already use. So, you know, you're not wasting space. And what kit do you travel with? What size? Do you put it into like a little zip up bag or do you mm-hmm. have like a little square bag? I just have I've, a clear I've pouch. Oh yeah, clear pouch. I've got like a, a square bag that I have to that I take with me because then I've got to fit my brushes in there and and it yeah. takes up room. But that goes in my carry on. I do not put my makeup in my in my checked in luggage. No way. Yeah, it's hard as well. Like with the the liquids, you have to just actually I, I decant a lot of my my foundations and, and stuff because I travel with a tanning with a darker foundation because I tan like crazy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. When I was in Europe and I only brought one or two shades, it looked like by the end of my trip, I got so dark that I just I couldn't use it. I had to like, I had to put concealer, like really, really light concealer looking pasty foundation on my face and then just like bronze it all up to make it match my skin. It's, it's crazy. But I know myself a lot better now. I just work with what works with my skin. So now that's the reason why you always look so beautiful when you're traveling is because you're a makeup artist. So you've got these little background hints going on there. You know how to make yourself look so good. It's funny. It's come full circle because I used to work in film and TV. So I would always be doing checks and working behind the camera. Now I'm in front of the camera. Girl, I'm sorted. (laughs) And highlight. Highlight is key. If you are going on any islands, just drown yourself in highlight and you will be glowing for days. That is at the top of my makeup list. Yeah, I love my highlighter. Do you have a special brand that you use? I've always loved Champagne Pop. Yes, me too. Send it to anybody with light skin. But now that I'm a little bit darker, I actually, it's a drugstore brand. You should get on it. Actually, any girls with tan skin should get on this. It's Maybelline Master Chrome Metallic. It's in gold. Like It makes you look like a dripping goddess. It is phenomenal. Ooh, nice. My champagne pop, I have a disaster story. The other day no. I grabbed it and it dropped and it's smashed and I've tried to put it back in and it's just not the same. Breaks my heart. Oh, breaks my oh, heart. That's, yeah, that's a horror story itself. It's especially like if, if you do that when you're traveling, it's the worst because you can't like reorder it. Nope. So speaking of horror stories, have you got any? I think all of my horror stories have linked to a lack of organization, which I've learned from. I missed a bus from Italy to Switzerland just because I read the timetable wrong. Or I relied too heavily on my knowledge and I was like, oh, I think it's this time and I didn't get up for it. It was it was a bit of a disaster. 
So what happened What happened then? Once you missed the bus, what, did you just have to wait for the next bus? No, no, it was actually a bus about coach and that they only happened like once a day. So we really messed up. <laughs> had to get a train from Italy all the way to Switzerland and just organise that. It's just so stressful, just not, not being prepared. And I've had a few run-ins where I've almost missed my flight. Thankfully, I don't think I have. I've only ever missed one flight in my entire life and I've taken a lot of flights and it was because we were driving back from Vegas to LA and it was a flight from LA to Chicago and Mm. we stopped past the Nike store and the shop and my friend that I was with works for them so I had a massive discount and I couldn't not do it and I missed my flight because I was shopping. (laughs) Was it that was my fault. <laughs> it was so worth it. I have some beautiful shoes that I yeah. still wear, runners till this day. But yeah, yeah I, but I got there. Actually, more the GPS's fault. It sent us down the wrong freeway, and so we couldn't get to the airport. But when I got there, it was literally like five minutes from the time they had stopped people. So the plane was still there, and they were just like, "No, nah, we can't let you on." I'm like, "Please, I'll run!" Yeah. I swear, and you, and you missed it. Me. Oh, that is so frustrating. Yeah, GPSs can really stuff you up. I had an instance, my boyfriend and I, Jed, we're in Norway and we were trying to do the Trolltunga hike. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. Oh, it's the most beautiful hike I've ever done in my life. It's like crazy. It's like a 12-hour day and... Really, you got to start super early in the morning. It was a three-hour drive over from where we were. So we left at maybe three hours on two hours sleep. And then the GPS, it was in Norwegian and we were driving on the other side of the road. It was just an absolute nightmare getting around. And at one point, maybe two hours into the drive, there's just no directions, but it tells to go on top of a boat. And we're like, how do we drive in 200 meters to a boat? <laughs> we didn't realize because of all the fjords that, in order to get there, you had to drive on a boat to go to the other side of town. And we were really struggling at this point because if you don't start this hike at a certain time, say 8 a.m., you miss the sun clock. So if you don't reach a certain point, you have to turn back and you can't do the whole hike because there's it's just too late. Yeah. Day. Yeah. So we were just driving, had to go on a boat and we were just exhausted. <laughs> what was a, supposed to be a three hour drive turned into a five hour drive with so many oh. deep all because of this GPS and our internet wasn't working and you just had to, it's a really big strain on our relationship and we were just so tired. Just had to work through it. Thankfully, we we, we made it in time to do the, the whole hike, but we were just exhausted by the end of it. <laughs> Well, that's good that you still you still were able to make the hike. Yes, and I would highly recommend that to anybody listening. Sounds like it's a long hike, though. Yeah, it's, it's a big feat. It's called the Troll's Tongue. So I don't know if you've ever seen photos of Norway where there's this huge fjord and valleys and then there's just this one rock. You're kind of suspended on a rock. Look it up. Oh, yes, 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 yes. No, I have. I know what you're talking about. So you haven't had any other major disasters that have happened? No situations where you felt unsafe? Actually, yeah, I do. (laughs) But I've compartmentalised it to the back of my brain so it doesn't actually come up in casual conversation. But now that I think about it, yeah. I did have an instance, a run-in in Africa. Mm -hmm. This was... This was away from my tour. It was at the very end. What country are you in? This was in, was it? This was in Zanzibar. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. I, I found Zanzibar really safe. Okay, keep going. Yeah. But have you heard of Beach Boys? Uh-huh. 
Yeah, it was an incident with, with a beach boy. So me and some of my friends were walking along the beach during sunset and we had walked too far away from our huts, our accommodation for the night. So what part of Zanzibar were you in? Were you in Nangwe? We were in, I think it was Matemwe. Okay. Yeah, so beautiful beach. It was a perfect way to end our trip on tour. Okay, so I don't know where that is on the island because I know Nangwe was definitely the most populated part from what I gathered. So is this a less populated tourist place? Yeah, I think so. It, it was quite it was quite deserted, but there was yep. one or two accommodations just on the beach. Mm-hmm. And we're walking down. It started getting dark really quickly, and we didn't gauge how dark it had gotten. There was probably five of us, five of us girls just walking on the beach. And then out of nowhere, a guy comes running on the beach, just pretending to have a have a little run, <laughs> have a little nightly stroll, and he kind of circles us and we're not walking in one line we're kind of just walking in pairs of two just along the beach and all of a sudden behind me I hear my friend scream out and I'm quite a fair distance away from her and I look behind me and then this guy sorry backtrack a bit before he was circling us he started speaking Swahili to our friends and I I noticed him in the background but because I was so far away I didn't click that something was wrong but he was just speaking Swahili quite aggressively and she didn't understand him and then I hear a scream and they're so far out and there's a bunch of the girls together and I see him like fly kick her and I was like what is going on oh my god oh my god and because I was so far in front I just started bolting to the nearest beach accommodation residence now I think about this now and it was really fight or flight and I'm like why did I run away but I think because I was just so far ahead and I knew that I was closer to help I just sprinted all my life nothing like that has ever happened to me I've never felt like crazy danger like that but it was just it was insane so I sprinted and I don't know whether what was happening behind me but the girls were kind of screaming and it was havoc and they were running as well and I came to a accommodation site nobody spoke English and I was like help I is just trying to beat up my friend and we didn't know what was going on but this mum and her daughter was behind us and they ran as well they were with our group and they were saying quick quick get help because because the girl, a friend, last I saw, she was getting dragged into the water and they didn't know what to do. <gasps> I was like, oh my God, she got dragged into the water. What is happening? And for about 20, 30 minutes, I was just, I couldn't believe it. And I felt so horrible that I had left them. But at the same time, I knew that they needed proper help. Oh my God, it was like worst, like 20 minutes of my life. I was just so anxious and I was trying to get help. But I don't know if you're familiar with African time, just things yes. just moved so slowly and they couldn't understand us. And we had left our group and I just felt so paralyzed. And my cousin was left behind with my friend as well. So I was just, everything was going like on in my head. How would I tell people back home if something happened? Especially if you hear that your, your friend is getting dragged into the water of on a deserted beach when no one's looking and you're in like Africa you just oh so scary a stress yeah time. and did did help come 
No. And that was the thing. I didn't know, because it was so dark as well, I didn't know how far I was from my actual accommodation where they spoke English. So I just upped and left and I just bolted on my own. And then they were like, don't leave, don't leave. It's unsafe. But I was just like, you know, instincts came in and I was just like, no, I have to tell my other friends because we were traveling in a group of 10. And I just had to do something about it because no one was doing anything. And they said they couldn't find anyone. And that's when my heart was sinking. It was. <laughs> and was your friend okay? What happened? So by the time I finally found where we had stayed, thankfully my friend and my cousin had bolted back there and found the place themselves. And they told us the full story. It was actually because, so this guy wasn't just beating her up for the sake of it to to capture her, which you just kind of resort to the last, like the Mm -hmm. most scariest things that happened. But what had actually happened was she had had her wallet under her arms the entire time we were walking we didn't really notice it but because that that attracted the whole situation Uh so he saw that he wasn't really trying to beat her up to just abuse her but he wanted to disorientate her enough to grab her wallet and once he did he left and then they just ran they just bolted back okay so he stole her wallet yeah so that was another learning experience just not to be so naive as to carry it out carry it out in the open yeah but it was at the time we just we didn't think about it and you know what I I've had a lot of experience scary experiences just being hassled on the streets alone and usually I've kind of just copped it I never felt unsafe in Africa other than when we were away from our tour group Mm. see we were in Zanzibar and I traveled I was by myself, but I had met people on the tour that we were on and we all ended up staying and we ended up staying in Stonetown and then we went to Nungwi and stayed on the beaches beautiful. there. It is beautiful. And I remember having a conversation with the taxi driver that drove me back by myself and he said, yeah, there's hardly any crime here because if anyone does commit crime, the locals will then take it out on them because they don't want the tourists to feel unsafe. Totally. yeah. And so it's interesting to see if they ended up finding that guy and what ended up happening to him because they don't want that kind of stuff happening on Zanzibar. I I think it happened really quickly and by the time maybe I had approached the guys to look for him, I think he had run away. Apparently it is a thing, just beach boys. Not necessarily like I haven't heard other stories of them being super violent but trying to scam you out and yeah. Which is worldwide. There's scammers everywhere. It is. And that has not really, it was definitely my worst travel experience, but I did not let that taint my view of Africa or Zanzibar in general. Like I still love it so much. Or traveling. Yeah. Yeah. And that's right. And I think that you do have to learn from these experiences. And as I've spoken about in previous episodes that I've had one really bad incident which happened in Dominican Republic at a five-star resort and so sometimes (sighs) you just never know where things can happen and that was a phone call that I got to my room from a staff member telling me awful things he wanted to do to me so then they ended up moving me to another room and but that was the worst where I felt totally alone and by myself and thought wow this is and it was at a five-star place yeah yeah and they didn't seem shocked by it and I think that's the scary thing is when you feel like no one's helping where you being in that situation where you're asking for help and no one's helping, that's actually the worst part of the whole experience because you're thinking, yeah. no one can help and I need your help. You but feel helpless, most people, you feel paralyzed. And most people will help. And that's something that I have found is that 
most people will help. So when I felt like that, then this, my butler, because in these five-star resorts, they, you can have your own butler. And so the butler came and he grabbed me and he got on my stuff and he's like, nope, it's okay. I'm going to look after you. And then I felt fine. I was like, okay, I feel okay now. And he's like, don't tell anyone anything. Don't tell them where you are taking you. Just keep yeah. your old room number. And so, wow. yeah, then I felt better. It's that, that part. And, and it normally is a short time. Like you said, 20 minutes or 30 minutes and then you got back to your resort and then I'm sure that those people then stepped up and helped in what you needed them yeah, to do. Yeah, It's just this idea of not knowing, yes. um, not feeling in control. I think it really, yeah, it really affects you. So a lot of it is a, a mental challenge as well. But I have been quite aggressively hassled on the streets, especially if I was roaming around alone. And a part of that is also, I think what has gotten me by was just trusting my gut instincts. And I know you hear that a lot from a lot of travelers, but it's really true. Just understanding yourself, how you're feeling and portraying confidence, even if you are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's when I get my aggressive face on and my aggressive face is don't come near me because I don't want to have to argue with you. And they often don't come near me. It's all in the eyes. It's like, no, no, I'm not going to entertain a conversation (laughs) here. So true. You know what? (laughs) The bane of my existence is I actually have a resting friendly face. (laughs) Yes. The absolute worst thing because look, I'm like, I'm a charismatic, friendly person. Yes, it's true. They can read well, but you know, there are days when I just don't, I don't want to be near people. I don't want to be around people. And I'm, you know, I'm in a grumpy mood, but I just look so darn nice. Like I'm so trusting and it works to my disadvantage. It's so annoying. Like I'm one of the first people, if you were to go on a train or a bus, I'm one of the first people you choose to sit next to, or I get hassled all of the time for directions when I don't know any directions. I'm terrible at directions all the time. People think that they can just walk up to me because I am so nice looking. (laughs) But I'm always Yeah, but then have you learned though, that you need to put your nasty face on? Oh, yeah, I try, but I think I just look like I'm not very menacing at all. (laughs) (laughs) It's all in the eyes. It's all in the eyes. You give him that glare and then you look back straight. And so it's all in the, I see you, but I'm not giving you attention. And then you just walk with a purpose and they tend not to come. And then I, I find that now they don't tend to ask me for things anymore but (laughs) my dad was really bad with that because my dad (laughs) always has that smiley beautiful face and so they constantly want to come and my dad being so lovely would not tell people no and so he when we were in the Philippines he actually would say to them oh ask me tomorrow I might do it tomorrow I'm like dad you can't do that because they'll come back tomorrow he's like no they won't remember me they see thousands of people sure enough same guy comes up the next day and says, you told me yesterday to come back to you. And we're like, yeah. see, Dad, I told you, you can't do that. Yeah, actually with beggars, you know, there's scam artists on the street who ask for money or get you to sign the positions. I'm having no, I'm pretty ruthless with that. I've actually, one time, someone's even asked me, I've got this twice, actually. Someone's put, people have asked me to mind their groceries or their belongings while they go to the toilet. <laughs> Oh, no. See, I would say no, because a lot of that stuff can be a huge scam. Yeah, you don't know. 
No. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to know. And again, it's, it is all trusting your gut. And actually another story from the Philippines. I, when we were in Boracay, I had met this gentleman that was traveling as well and he was lovely and we were sitting down and we were talking and these little boys came over and they asked for money. And the rule of travel normally is beggars you don't give money to. And yep. they said, we just want an ice cream, please. And I had said no to them. And the gentleman that was with me, he said, all right, here's some money for an ice cream. And I said to him, you know, they're not going to buy an ice cream. It's probably for something else. They came back and they had bought themselves Cornettos, which is an ice cream. Yeah. And they were sitting there eating this ice cream like it was the best thing on Aww. earth. My heart melted. And I went, wow. I am in this mindset that everybody is a scammer, basically. It's not true. And these little boys just wanted an ice cream. And they were so beautiful. And they sat with us and they spoke with us. And then they did the most beautiful thing ever where they went and they got me made. You know those little, like, friendship bracelets that they make out of, like, cotton? Yeah. They got me one of those made. and it had written And it had written on it, I love Michelle. Oh, my God. And they gave it to me. And, of course, my heart melted even more. And I was like, okay, there's a toy shop just around here. I'm going to take you and buy you a toy. You get to pick whatever you wanted. So I took them and they got to buy the toys and they had a little arcade. So we took them to the arcade and let them play whatever games they wanted. And it was such a beautiful moment. But it all came from me saying no and the gentleman next to me saying yes. And I just thought then, it's not always no. Answer shouldn't always be no. It's hard because, you know, you want to stay street smart. And after all of these stories, you want to just be aware of everything. But you just, you don't always know as well. No, no. And he trusted his gut that he thought they wanted an ice cream. And I was like, no, they don't. He's like, I think they do. And he was right. Yeah. I mean, I guess in a case like that, you could just go out and buy them the food. But it is, yeah, it's it's hard. You don't want to limit yourself from every opportunity yeah, to and experience, experience something and new. That's right. And that was that's such a beautiful experience that I now hold on to. Yeah, I think it, you know it's one thing to be safe and just be super vigilant and aware, but also you, you can't live through fear. And it's really hard, I guess, as female travelers, as we're told to go walking at night. And of course, you have to have some level of instinct when you do those things, but also it, it's hard. You don't want to limit yourself to really experiencing things and, and trusting people. So yeah, I guess it's all finding the balance and learning to listen to yourself. Absolutely. Do you have any other tips that you would like to tell my listeners? Yes, yes, and yes. Game changer is lash extensions. They have revolutionized my makeup, my traveling, my whole flow of putting myself together. I do not know what it is scientifically. It is All it is, is like a piece of hair on your eyelid, but it just makes you look so good. How long does it take you to do that though? Isn't that time consuming? Oh, so I mean lash extensions as in you get them put in before you go on a trip. Now, oh, okay, not the ones that you just put on your eyes. Not strip lash. I mean, you know, sometimes if I'm feeling a bit extra, I'll like I'll carry that in my kit. No, you just set up an appointment with your lash artist. If you're in Sydney, go to at Lashley Extensions. She's my gal. She's so good. But every time I go on a trip, I'll always have them sorted because you can just swim, wake up with no makeup, up and to just feel put together. I feel so good with lash extensions. Okay, my next question then, 
because I've never done, I've got long lashes naturally, so I don't have to worry about that. Thank you to my mother for those. <laughs> now, don't they, don't they fall out? And then when they're starting to not look yeah. so good, if you're traveling for five months? Yeah, I, there are pros and cons. For shorter trips, they are phenomenal. They are amazing. But for longer trips, you do have to find someone to get it infilled. Okay, so you do have to maintain. You do have to maintain. It does require maintenance and just combing them through every day. But for me, it makes such a difference that I think it's worth it. I think if you already have lashes already, they're only going to enhance it. I don't know, maybe it's Asian eyes. We don't have long lashes naturally. So to have a set, I just, oh my goodness, it changes the game. Now, if people are wanting to follow you, how do they follow you? I am on Instagram at Lion Melody and I'm on Facebook at Lion Melody Travels. And what, do we have anything coming up in the future that you can tell us about? Yes, I'm trying to build my YouTube and work on more video content. So I am Lion Melody there too, or youtube.com slash Leanne Melody. Now, upcoming things. I'm going to India really soon. I'm going there in a month and it's my first time and I'm just super excited to make content. That's just a personal trip. Yeah. Awesome. Now I've got some questions I'm going to ask you. This is a new segment that I've got. Michelle's five questions. And so I'm going to ask you some questions and I want honest answers from you. Right. Are you ready? I don't know if I am. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The the first one's easy. Well, not really, but it kind of is. Your favorite city or town? Favorite? The top of your list. Somewhere (gasps) that you would, you'd loved so much that you can't stop bragging about it. Okay. I've got one. It's hard because when people usually ask me that, I'll I'll list like five. But if I could just think of one thing at the top of my list city-wise that has blown my mind was Cappadocia. Oh, I haven't been there. That is next on my list. I have not been to Turkey yet. So unreal. I know it is booming on Instagram and it's so beautiful and photogenic, but really being there feels otherworldly. It feels like across... Did you stay in the caves? Can you stay in the caves or do you just... You can. I didn't, but I will next time for sure. I would love to stay in a cave. I stayed at a beautiful, can't remember the the accommodation, but it was a cave-like thing, but you can stay in the fairy chimneys. And it's it's like the Flintstones meets Star Wars meets Mars. It's, It's so insane. It's out of this world. I know it's definitely on my list, but a lot of people have been saying it's not the safest place. Did you feel safe there? Oh, completely. I think because the country is in unrest. It is. And you know, a lot of people have general fears about traveling to Turkey. And I was very aware of that before I went on my trip. When I was there, I felt so safe. I felt like everyone was so accommodating. And in fact, I was speaking to some locals, some shop owners, and they were saying, you know, we work really hard. And I think they work even extra hard knowing that tourism has been flunking in the last few years because of this reputation. Mm-hmm. I mean, in saying that, I've I've only traveled to the more tourist destinations through Turkey. Yeah, and I think there's certain countries where that is a must, and I think yeah. there are places where you just go to the tourist places because they are designed to try and protect you. And I know the same as when I was in Egypt. It was a very long time ago now, but it was mm. the same there. There was armed men walking around, tourist police they were called, to make sure the tourists are safe. But again, they're not in the small little towns. They're in the tourist areas. Yeah, because tourists are valuable for the economy. Like, why wouldn't you, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. My next question, weirdest food you've ever eaten? (laughs) 
So I never thought I would ever in my lifetime because I have such disgust for the animals. <laughs> but I recently ate rat. Rat? Yeah, rat. Where did you eat rat? Yeah, I had a really awesome, unique experience in a rural Vietnam town, little village where nobody spoke English, but we had a tour guide and I went on this thing called Mr. Rot's Secret Tour. It was amazing. And a lot of it is not widespread knowledge. They don't advertise this when they go before you sign up for the tour. It's all in secret, but he takes you to a village. It's kind of illegal because I think this the certain villages that they visit don't really like tourists because it's still quite a communist place. And of course, like the idea of foreigners, it's not a it's not a thing. This guy, he just speaks to this random lady and she allows us into her home for no like no pride. He just has a good relationship with the town. So we go into the house and out of this like old clay pot, the tour guide takes bits of meat, which kind of look like jerky and just starts handing it out and says, oh, it's a, it's a delicacy here. It's a snack. And I taste it and I'm thinking, what is this? But I didn't think it'd be rat. <laughs> I thought it'd be like maybe worm or some kind of just exotic bug. And it was quite spicy because I think they've herbed it uh, very intensely so you don't taste the so animal. It was dried? But it was chewy. <laughs> Oh, okay. It kind of tasted like what you'd think a worm would taste like, that that chewy gummy consistency. Anyway, I was like, oh, that was really good. And then, yeah, he told me it was right after, and I could not believe it. Mm, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I don't think I would do it if I didn't know what it was. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh, you experience living life. Yes, I was just so totally. fascinated. We were in, like, just to her little hut of a house and it was so amazing just to see how she lived very very basic but yeah he was raving about how this was caught itself and I didn't question I just kind of made it and yeah thinking back that was very sus (laughs) at least there wasn't a tail oh no (laughs) okay next question beach or going for hikes really difficult because I love both equally I'm gonna say beach just because I love the beach culture and I love smoothies at a beach and swimming. Yeah, beach. Okay. A tourist site that you recommend everyone should go and visit? Ooh, I would have to say one of the cool, this one's a little bit different. One of the coolest things I've ever done was to sail through Cuba. I don't think it's very, yeah, popular. I mean, when you think of like a sailor, trip in the Caribbean like I just yeah I never thought of the Cuban islands I took a G adventures trip a couple years back we did a catamaran sailing trip and we went out to some beautiful islands that I never knew existed and it took us three days to go there so you know that there's there's more iguanas than footprints on the sand they're completely deserted but beautiful pristine waters I recommend everybody check out that side of Cuba just the south the, the islands they're phenomenal so not the touristy parts yeah i mean i loved havana that was definitely a highlight it was so unreal beautiful okay my final question for you is can you say thank you in another language yes i can salamat oh that's exotic where is that from <laughs> it's filipino <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit cheating because I can speak a little bit. 
Thank you so much for being on with you every step today. It's been great having you on. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast just talking life with you. It's been great. Thank you. Uh, sorry. Uh, no, let's try it in Filipino again. Salamat sa pakikinig sa akin. That means a thank you for listening to me. Thanks for listening to With You Every Step, hosted by Michelle Lee. We do hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did, make sure you tell everybody. If you didn't, nobody likes a Debbie Downer. Please subscribe to get up to date with our latest releases and give us a thumbs up on our social media at With You Every Step. We love to hear from you. If you have any questions or inquiries, head to the Contact Us page at our website, michellelee.com. That's also where you'll find all our blogs mentioned in the podcast. We love to hear from you and if we have inspired you to travel. Thanks for listening. Love life and adventure on.